Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Kristen Smedley here with my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo. I don't know which way to point on the Zoom screen because I always point in the wrong thing because it's reversed. <laughs> we are still getting to know Zoom after 957 years during the pandemic being on Zoom. Aren't we on the ball? Okay, today we have my best new friend in the world, whether Ken wants that to happen or not, because he is working on things that can fix every realm of my life. (laughs) So I've decided that we're just going to get real tight, real quick to solve all my problems. Ken Meeker, we are so happy that you are here and we are going to dive into some good things today. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, I should say, and I will tell the story later because I really want to dive into to why we brought Ken on this show today for everybody, but I should say that Ken and I have known each other on virtual stuff for a while, and we got to meet in person, was it last week? All my weeks uh, went together. At a yeah, 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 last week. And the fact that I got to that conference and met Ken in person is a living, brilliantly resilient story in itself. But if we have time, I'll tell it later. We met um, in person at a conference at the American Foundation for the Blind, because we are both advocates in the blind community. (laughs) And Ken wanted to talk about things to advance the blind community, which I was all for until I found out he's working on core values. Ladies and gentlemen, no, that's a pillar of the Brilliantly Resilient process. I was like, oh, we're going to so dive into this. So let's back up for a second before I have you solve all of our problems and (laughs) ask you, Ken, to tell us how did you get involved with with this piece and and what is it that you're doing with these in the world? Uh, So how it all came to be is um, I had my vision loss is from 2014. Um, I had moved out to Arizona, which is where I live, and I had a severe infection that just wrecked my vision. And um, after about two and a half years of recovery from that, um, I felt myself kind of floating around. And um, I've always been big on assessments and personal evaluations and stuff like that. And I noticed that there was nothing uh, really objective about assessing values and aligning that with like where you want to go in life, which I've always thought is, is, you know, living by values. And, you know, if you're not connected, if your goals aren't connected to your values, you're not going to succeed because people, they make new year's resolutions and they never achieve them and all kinds of things like that. And it's because they're not aligned. And I was like, okay, well, how can I align my personal values to what I want to get? Because I did, I felt the disconnect there from what I used to want to achieve in life. So I started, I'm a big believer in continuous learning and stuff like that. And I stumbled across something called common, uh, uh, the common cause, which is a communication technique. Um, and I sort of, I adapted it for, uh, for personal values instead of communication. 
And uh, that's what began the journey to where I'm at now. And that was in 2016 when I started and it's led to where I'm at now um, to where you can take your values, do an objective assessment of them, score them instead of just deciding for yourself, well, I think I'm this and this and this and this, and people are terrible at, at evaluating themselves. Um, and that's, that's what led me to this journey where I'm at now, because I really believe that people should be able to achieve the things that are important to them. Their goals are important. Um, but if you don't know what to put in place to get there, chances are you're not going to be as successful as you could be. Um, and I think that's a key, that's a key element of what I, of what I do now, which is I'm a career and executive coach. So, so I, I'm, I'm honing in on two things, objective assessment well three words objective assessment and values mm -hmm. because to me values are i don't want to say they're subjective but they're often they're often influenced by emotion and all of those kinds of things so how how in the world do you make an objective assessment of <laughs> values i need very to know this question. Jen. please help me <laughs> very fair question so um I, I took I took Common Cause, which is about external communication with people. And, and, and in summary, it's if you want to have effective communication with somebody or a group of people, you have to align your communication with what their values are in order for it to be effective. And so hmm. what I was like, well, why can't that work within yourself as well? And so um, I took that modeling and there's about 30 core values that everybody has. It's just to what measure of importance we all place on each one. But with the things we all share, we, we all have the same values. It's just some of us think, you know, humility is more important than um, justice. It's, so it's a matter of how do you score it? And so I came up with a, a, a modeling score of, you know, ranking just like any other assessment, really, like how good are you or are good at mowing a lawn, you know, things like that, where most assessments, they, they do some sort of scoring, um, just to, to give you a, an objective uh, viewpoint of like, oh, you would be good at this career because your skills are this, your abilities and your knowledge are this. Why doesn't something like that exist for values? And I think it's, there's nothing, values are not inherently good or bad. It's mm -hmm. just how you act upon them is what matters. And I think maybe because people want to, you know, they want to assign good or bad to values they're like, oh, well, we can't do this. That's my only, my assumption because any single assessment I've ever found out there when it comes to values is you get to select which ones you think are the most important for you. And on any given day, they're going to change. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That, that, and I, I actually really like that idea that people share many of them and it's, it's kind of about where you are on that scale. So that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of how you objectively um, measure that. Yeah, yeah, because people want to say, well, this value is more important than this and this. Not, no, inherently, they're neither good nor bad. It's just how you act upon them. That's what matters. And so that's where the good and the bad come in. <laughs> you know, I, I, to be perfectly honest, I've, I've, I've admitted this before. I, you know, core values is a piece, a pillar in the brilliantly resilient, living brilliantly resilient. And I didn't really get how, your core values help you to live brilliantly resilient. Like I didn't quite get it until I started really getting inundated with having to make some big life decisions. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was, it's one of those things that, you know, you got to tear it all down before you can build it back up. And when I really mm -hmm. tore it all down, I thought, 
it was when I aligned like, you know, a relationship that I was in. when I realized at the core, we have emphasis on different values and this is never, it's always going to be something we're going to butt heads over. So I don't think that this is going to be a healthy thing to stay in. And then I started looking at that with big decisions and then helping my kids, like looking at colleges and where they were going to coming down to values. And you know, again, in the beginning, I thought, oh my God, this is so hard. Cause I got to figure out which ones I'm really aligned with. And then but when I started practicing that and getting really getting to know what my values are, it made the decisions so much easier. Mm-hmm. Then I can go, that's not in line with where I'm at. So it's easier now. So when you're, that's why when you were saying you you made this, you created this assessment, that was the hardest part for me to really sit and think about what are my, my values. And now you've just taken a lot of that workload in this, in this thing. So let's, let's, if we can go a little deeper into why that's the case that, that coming down to your core values helps you make these decisions and have success with them. Well, when we, when we were in uh, DC, you gave me a perfect example when we were talking about you, I think it was soda, you know, how, um, you know, in all of the decisions we make big, small, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, our values are what are going to ultimately guide us to make a decision. Um, in pretty much anything we do in our lives. What do we value more than something else? And um, you gave me a perfect example when it was about uh, giving up soda and and health. Like, you know, what's more important? Is it in, you know, um, pleasure, enjoyment, or our health? You know, and it's most of the time we're not consciously aware of what values we're aligning with our decisions, but Um, Because we don't have to be that conscious about every single decision we make. Um, But when it comes to the bigger and the harder decisions, knowing what your strongest values are can certainly help because it makes a a really tough decision easier because you can say, well, you know, I really firmly believe in X, Y, Z. So this decision makes more sense because it's going to align with me and I'm not going to have as much internal conflict. So, so here's a question. Do can well two questions actually can your values change with a particular situation in other words where you are at any given moment this mm-hmm. is more important than that mm-hmm. that was the first thing and then the second thing was should we on occasion try to maybe not necessarily change our values but look at other values and go maybe that would serve me and that's not necessarily something i think of but maybe i should should explore that so i don't know which one of those you want to answer first <laughs> the answer to both is them yes both out before i forget <laughs> <laughs> the answer to both is yes um everything is situational um you know and so you know and what and we constantly have values competing against each other all the time you know, um, it's, but the harder decisions are where there can be some sort of conflict where we have very strong values competing against each other and we have to make a choice. That's where the hardest decisions usually come into play. Um, but being, you know, that's why being consciously aware of what you, um, what your strongest core values are is, can, can help guide you. Um, so the way that it is, is there's, four main categories like of, of values within those 30. And then within that, they're broken down into 10 subcategories. And so within those 30 core values are then broken down into segments. And usually what happens is people will score like they'll have 
you know, 35% in a certain segment and then 25% in a certain segment and then it broken down that way. But usually they all kind of align in similar sort of orders. So they'll, you can be like, oh, well, I'm really driven towards um, self-transcendence, which is one of the cat, one of the four main categories or conservatism, which is, you know, an adherence to traditional norms and stuff like that. And so if you can look at what the decision you're trying to make in those sort of terms, like I'm mostly driven by this, it can help kind of guide you, but everything is situational. Um, and so it's, it's, it, so to your point, if there's a certain type of, if let's say you want to improve and you want to be better at something, um, it, it, again, it would be situational. Knowing that your one of your values is like, I, the modeling that I use is a one to a five in terms of scoring. One being extremely, like, it's not important. It's not an important value to you. It's neither here nor there. And then a five would be, it's a value that must be present in something in order for you to make a decision. If it's not there, you won't choose to do it. Um, most values are anywhere from a two to a four, you know, because it's it, very few values are, you know, to our core, we have to, it has to be present. Um, and so taking that into consideration, if you're like, I want to be more empathetic, we'll say, you know, I, you know, you, you, you recognize that maybe it's something that you want to be, you want to have more compassion toward people, um, because you're religious and you, you're, you're like, I, I want to, I want to be more like that, you know, um, having an awareness of what your values are, you could like, okay, well, I need to consciously practice this in order to get better at it. You know, same thing can apply to health, you know, like giving up soda. That's a perfect example, you know, like soda tastes good, but that'd be more valuing indulgence and pleasure versus your health. So it's, it, 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 they can change over time. And, and it, it influences what I'm hearing also because of my soda thing, it influences your habits and whether mm -hmm. they're, cause that was a, just a bad ha And I'll tell you, Ken, that's what we were talking about when I, I'm still like, I'll be in the grocery store. And I know when, when I really have to tune in and make that decision to my value of, I want to feel healthy, act healthy, be healthy. Cause I, I just have to do a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't not be healthy right now. Mm -hmm. So when I stand there at the grocery store, but when I, it's when I'm tired, when I am frustrated, like all of the things that make me want to just grab that darn thing out of the refrigerator when I'm in line at the grocery store and just want those bubbles because they just mm -hmm. feel better. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, but now it's not hard anymore because I'm like, Nope, that is, I'm not going to feel better after I drink that. Then I'll go back into that shame and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, I sound like an alcoholic with alcohol and I'm, the Hey, bubbles thing. are good. <laughs> <laughs> bubbles taste but, good. You don't have to convince me of that one. <laughs> but it makes it so much easier to, to erase that bad habit. Like mm -hmm. I just, and what I actually did, I didn't completely erase it. I replaced it. Like I do seltzer water now. Mm -hmm. And, and that is so much healthier than the soda. I, yeah. I, apologies to all the soda lovers out there, but go read about it. Go read about it. And we'll talk about it another time, but Oh my God. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah. a habit thing. It helps you form better habits mm -hmm. when you're aligned with your core values. Absolutely. And, and, you know, unfortunately there's the, a term I like to use. It's like, you can't go through life on autopilot and a lot of people do. And if you're not consciously aware of what makes you sick and what the reasons you can make the decisions you make, you're living life on autopilot and that's not a good way to go through life. 
Hmm. You should so be very conscious in what the choices you make. You, should you mentioned four, um, four categories. And yeah. I think you said self-transcendence and conservatism. So can you elaborate oh, right. on those, what all four of them are? Yeah, of course I can. Um, I can never remember off the top of my head. So you have to forgive me for that. Mm-hmm. Um, People have a tendency to kind of, I think, appreciate categories not that it's always mm-hmm. good to put yourself in a category but it gets, gives you a starting point you know yeah. okay so this is kind of where i fit and yeah. then you can i think more effectively dive deeper but you kind of have to have an overview sense of you know like who you are or what your pieces are yeah absolutely absolutely and so with the four primary categories most of the time they're pretty even um, in terms of, you know, it's not always 25, 25, 25, 25, but it's you, there's not too big of a difference um, between, between them, but they are openness to change. And it, well, before I start, it's really, really, really important to remember there's no good or bad in any of these. And mm. um, that's that there is. It's so no, hard not to judge though, it, isn't it? Exactly, Don't we just automatically exactly, come in is. and get judgy? Yeah. And we judge ourselves like, oh, well, this, this sounds better than this. You know, or like, I think I want to be that because it sounds yeah, better. <laughs> exactly. But it's it, it, in order for in order for this to truly be effective for anybody, it requires taking that judgment and setting it aside. And because you know, inherently, there none are good or bad. It's all a matter of how you act on them. That's that that is essential for it to be effective. Um, placing any judgment on it may, means it's not as it's not going to work as well. Um, and which really requires being honest with yourself. Which is can sometimes be a little bit different. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. It, it sometimes opening those doors can be a little, it can be a challenge. But yeah. you know, if you're committed to wanting to really reach goals, it, it, it takes being open about what it is that you really, really want and how you want to get there. So it's an openness to change, self-transcendence, self-enhancement, and conservat conservatization. If I think that's the word. Um, I just call it conservatism, but it's that word gets confused a lot with the political word, you yeah, know, for the yeah. political meaning, and they are not related at all. <laughs> so, it just means an adherence to, to, to historical norms and, and things like that and tradition. Oh, okay. So what are they? I mean, I, 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 I and I'm, I'm asking because, okay, openness to change relatively, you know, relatively yeah. understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-enhancement, I guess, relatively understandable, but do each of these things, and I need, I need some clarity on self-transcendence yeah. and the conservatism, but yeah. do, do each of these things um, kind of have different meanings like that can sort of shift or change like self-enhancement doesn't necessarily mean I want my hair to look better. Although I always do. <laughs> Who doesn't want a good hair? To right. Okay, oh, so. I always do. It's always so, about the hair. It's always the hair. <laughs> so openness to change means the values are focused on individualism. Um, so self-direction, personal development, and a desire for personal change. That's what um, openness to change is. It's all in, it's internal. Mm-hmm. Um, self-transcendence is, um, concerned about the well-being of others in a general sort of sense. Hmm. Um, so they're associated with um, uh, volunteer, social focused, um, the, like a people that are big on social issues and providing for others, that would be self-transcendence. Okay. Um, self-enhancement um, are pursuit of personal status and success. So hmm. um, entrepreneurialism, advancement, personal accolades, things like that. 
And then conservatism is to um, observance of tradition, conforming to norms, um, a sense of security in ourselves and for those who are closest to us. So our, like our immediate family, you know, that kind of stuff, that, that's what conservative, conserva conservation is. Gosh, I keep messing that word. <laughs> it's a tough word to say, <laughs> it, 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 but, but it actually, um, it, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you don't, I think particularly maybe more people after the pandemic have felt that there is more of them in that than, I think you could go mm -hmm. both ways. I think you mm -hmm. could want the security, but I also think that, your values could have shifted. And again, going back to your point that it's all situational, Absolutely. some people might be like, you know what, forget the security. There is none. Let's go in the other direction. Mm -hmm. So uh, to that point, I think it does change. Yeah. Yeah. Over time, you know, our values are going to change based on what our needs are. You know, if, if you're a single person with, you know, that's unmarried with no kids, your priorities are different than if you're married and you have three kids and a spouse and you know the, the, your priorities change and so over our the course of our lives our values do shift it's very normal interesting you know i'm sitting here thinking about and i'm trying to remember his name and i don't remember but we'll put it in the in the notes i was listening to an interview uh with the guy that wrote the the biggest um is it enneagram emmyogram whatever the the you know the one oh, enneagram Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was talking about the most successful people are very self-aware. It's not about your skills of, of success and all of that, as much as being self-aware. And, um, and I'm thinking, gosh, so these categories, it's like, you're, you're also aligning the Enneagram thing that they can fall into these categories. And can you imagine knowing which of those, the nine you are with that, and then tuning into your values to be completely self-aware. Um, wow. The, the success. That sounds like a lot of meanness. I'm a little afraid. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, wow. That would be incredible. But that I found that interesting when he said, the more self-aware you are, the more successful you will be. And this really brings it down to what's at the core of you, not only just to make it an easier decision, but this is the first steps to living the life that you want. And when you mm -hmm. think about it, I mean, gosh, it's helping drive your decisions. It's helping create better habits and letting go of bad habits. So of course, then it, it aligns with the concept of you'll be more successful and achieve your goals because you're setting the right ones in the first mm -hmm. place when you're aligned with your values. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, cue the fireworks. I <laughs> out a whole thing all in one show. Usually that so, takes me hearing the episode 17 times <laughs> to put the pieces together. <laughs> one, other one other component of it um, that I think is so because I use this as a component for I, I built this entire like uh, goal workbook. It's like 40 some odd pages. Um, and it's for one goal is what this entire workbook is for. And this the values assessment is a component of that, because one of the things that's important is in achieving goals is implementing your values into it, into mm -hmm. and towards in terms of like, how are you going to implement your core values in terms of to keep you motivated because it's easy to become unmotivated when you hit a, a hiccup, when you're trying to reach a long-term goal. Mm -hmm. um, and so by implementing your values into how you achieve that goal is it can be a challenge because they may, there may not be a direct correlation between the two, between what the goal is and what your values are, but, you know, for long-term goals, there's milestones. There's a whole way of 
setting it up to reach it and being consciously aware of what your values are and being like, oh, well, let's say I want to, um, let's say you're big on giving back to the community and you know, volunteering that your core values are, are self-transcendence where you care about the well-being of, of others. And, um, you, but you wanna also uh, move up at the company you're working for. We'll say those two. So those things don't necessarily, they don't seem to align directly because one is in, internal and the other is external. Like, And so you're like, all right, well, I want to advance. So what you do is, what can you do within your career? So like, if you advance, what is that? How does that open up opportunity within your core values? Does it present opportunity for you to um, maybe have a, a more say to be like, hey, we need to, we have more community outreach within our organization. Maybe they need to volunteer. You know, they want to do, you want to implement a volunteer day for the whole company where they go out and the whole company volunteers, you know, whatever it is, because then you're more inclined to reach that goal of advancement in the company because the reward aligns with your values. Wow. Are you thinking of the Fran Hauser episode, Mary? I am. I'm yeah. totally thinking of that. And I'm also thinking about how this aligns with your brilliance, your values, align with your brilliance. And, you know, I think when people think of values, they sometimes think of them as these um, sort of passive things that are internal, but you're taking them and making them active Mm -hmm. and making them active in, in ways that you can, you know, you can bring out your brilliance by in, in multiple areas. It, It can serve you both passionately, which is one of the things that Christian and I say is a part of brilliance, but it can also serve you intellectually. It can serve you successfully. I mean, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 exactly. This was this setting about on the, I was fairly lost when I started this whole journey of doing this because, you know, in a, I call it a prior life. I was, you know, I worked in the insurance industry. I did very well in my career and then after suffering my vision loss, I was just kind of lost because all of that was gone. Mm-hmm. And, I didn't, and I didn't have any desire to go back to it either. That was the thing. It's like, I was very good at it. And, but I just like, I don't, I don't care about that anymore. What do I care about? What do I want to do now? What do you know? I'm not that old. Um, so, <laughs> so what am I going to do? And so I really, this was really, it all started as something to help me get unstuck. That's where it really started from. It was very, you know, it was very sort of selfish when I first started it. And then it helped me to just realize what I really do care about, what I really am passionate about. Um, It unlocked that for me. And I'm like, well, let's see if it can help other people too. I don't want to just, if this is, if this has value, I want to share it. And so um, I've just, you know, over the, over the years, I've just, I've really uh, refined it and made it a lot more effective and more accessible in terms of where I'm not the only person that can understand it, but where it's, you know, where other people can be like, oh, this makes sense. And so I've spent quite a lot of time on this. <laughs> That's why I was jumping out of my skin last week when you were talking about this, because what you just described and how you came to do this is exactly how brilliantly resilient the, the show, the company, the everything we do was born because Mary Fran and I had the exact same experience. We had our lives upside down and inside out from a massive sucker punch, as we call them, and then had to grow in a new direction. But we wanted to do it in a way that was different than what we had already been doing, just what you described. Mm -hmm. And then how can we take it and serve other people, which is exactly what you're voicing. 
yeah, you don't want to keep, you know, good, positive things just to yourself. Cause you know, it, unless you're that kind of, if you're that selfish of a person, you know, but um, I'm not, um, if it's a tool that other people can benefit from, um, I'm all for it. The first time that I, you know, after I sort of did it and used it for myself, um, a very close friend of mine, I, I, she, I was, she was my first, like, said, you know, guinea pig, quote unquote, you know, I was like, we do you want to try this out? And she was like, <laughs> sure. You know, it was a very close friend of mine. She won't be mad by me saying that. Um, and it had to do, she wanted to get out of debt. Hmm. And I was like, I don't know if this will work, but let's give it a shot. And so she went through the whole, you know, the whole process, the whole, you know, uh, goal uh, method that I used in using this and figuring out the values and putting them right in place, the right motivations so that she could get out of the debt. It worked. <laughs> and I, just, it worked. <laughs> I love how you're taking something that people think of as sort of touchy feely values mm-hmm. and giving it this really practical application because Kristen and I talk about that all the time. It's the basis for the practical things that you have to do in your mm-hmm. life. And you don't necessarily automatically think of values as having a place in practical decisions. So how did that work? Like if you can give us a little more insight into just that particular thing, how, what of her values helped her get out of debt? So, so that's what we explored. It's like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's model this. And so when it comes to the scoring of the values, which is probably um, one of the difficult, more, more difficult things to understand is I use an example of, let's say that you work in an office, right? And there's 10 of you. Um, And somebody's bringing your absolute favorite thing on this earth to eat. And so there's 10, there's 10, 10 of them. And one of your coworkers brings their, their kid to work that day. There's only one piece left to eat and it's supposed to be yours. What do you do? No decision is either is better or worse than any other. You did nothing. You'd be doing nothing wrong by eating it. I eat it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But see that, but there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with that decision. Because, because you're, but you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I'd give it away when they're lying. They know they would eat it. Um, Some people would sell it to the kids. Some people, some people would split it in half. Some people would chastise the parent. There's all kinds of options. Your values are going to dictate what you do. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, and that's what, and so the, the five in terms of your values is on that one is really what's going to dictate what's, what's, how you, how you go about it, you know, is a sense of justice. A, 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 this one of your strongest values because if a sense of justice is one of your strongest values what you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to tell that parent give that parent a piece of your mind and you're like how dare you be unfair to everybody here you knew that you know you know and yet you did nothing about this and you didn't share with your kid how come i have to hmm. that's that you know that would be a sense of a, a sense of justice because you're standing up for that you know things are not fair um, things are not, you know, that that would be, you know, if you're really driven by a sense of justice, um, that combined with, uh, you know, or it, do you believe in equality, you know, justice and equality, or those, those are your stronger values, that's what's going to lead you to that sort of that, that, that place. But if you believe in a sense of fairness, a sense of, um, uh, you know, let's say fairness and uh, pleasure and, um, equality are your strong or some of your stronger values you probably split it with the kid 
And so those are the, that's how knowing and being consciously aware of what your values are can affect your decisions. Usually we just, you know, we're not consciously aware of why we're doing all the things we do. And we don't have to be, that would be exhausting to always be consciously, well, I'm using this and this and this, but for harder decisions, that's where it really, really, really comes into play because when there's conflict, we can doubt ourselves. We can be like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. And if you're consciously aware of what you really care about, it can help you make those decisions and you can put in place the things that are important, like getting rid of debt is a long-term goal. And so how do you, how can you, okay, well, what is it that you want to achieve by getting out of debt? What's the, what is, what's the reason it matters to you to get out of debt? Is it because you want a sense of security? Is it because you want to have, um, you want to be able to have more in retirement? What is the reason you want out of debt, first of all? Not just because you, it, it sucks, but <laughs> not what's just the because true motivation? Dave Ramsey's on Facebook yeah. saying get out of debt. <laughs> yeah, not just because you know the the you know that it's a good thing overall, but what's the emotional reason? Because yeah. there is one, and what, then that drives you to stay with it, right? That exactly, exactly. exactly. It's also and what keeps businesses in business, or or like I mean, looking who to partner with in a business. Mm -hmm. Um, or on a job at work when, when, because I mean, we go through with the growing pains of running a company. When we, when Mary Fran and I know that we are aligned in our values, the conflicts that come up, I can sit there and say, but wait, this is a person that wants to have this mission, reach the world and improve lives just like me. So we're going to figure this out. I've also mm -hmm. been in companies where I realized that the values didn't align and I've walked away because I'm like, this is never going to serve me well. And I can't serve the people we're supposed to serve. So it's mm -hmm. personal. Your values help you personally, but professionally knowing them. And then I'm also, as we're all sitting here talking and I know we got to wrap this up. Um, so we don't have you here all day for a marathon <laughs> show again. Um, in families, like I realized that I think that my kids and I need to sit down and, and actually give words to what our values are, because we will, you know, being in two different houses that they're in, they'll bring conflict from the other home to mine. And I'm constantly saying, that's not how we operate here. We don't attack each other here. You got to, you know, <laughs> when I was first divorced, I had a house with a very long driveway and I would say to them, get dropped off at the end of the driveway walk up. And by the time you come through our door, all that stuff from the other house needs to stay out there. We don't, uh, but if I, and now I want to, I'm going to give thought to putting the actual values and, and making it more practical for them to understand that we can make decisions better and interact better knowing what our values are. Oh man, I didn't even expect to now, now you're helping my family. Ken. There's <laughs> 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 Kristen doesn't even realize. Oh my God. So funny. <laughs> Ken, this has been a brilliant conversation and you've given, I think both of us, so many different ways to think about the practicality of values in our lives. We were leaning in that direction, but you've really helped us nail it down. And I'm sure it's valuable information for everyone. So where can we find your, your assessments, your workbook, all of that? Tell people where they can find you. So um, my website is uh... Vitality Career Coaching, which is pretty easy to remember. That's my coaching business, uh, vitalitycareercoaching.com. And then I'm easy to find on LinkedIn as well. It's just Ken Meeker AZ because I'm in Arizona. Um, and I'm happy to connect with people there. Um, that, those, that's the easy, easiest way to get a hold of me. It can get a hold of me on either one. So I'm pretty accessible. 
The only other Ken Meeker that I've ever run across was a soap opera actor from like, the 80s and stuff. But that's, um, so <laughs> that's not your fun fact for the episode. We're going to ask you about it later. <laughs> well, this has been as fan, even more fantastic than I thought it was going to be, Ken. This is a piece that we really needed some some meat with. And you've really given us some some great stuff that's going to impact a lot of lives. So thanks so much for for coming on and for everybody that um, if you're still looking for if you need additional info on resetting, rising and revealing your brilliance, go to brilliantlyresilient.net. You can also get our number one downloaded, most popular and talked about thing that we do. And that's the brilliance bit. Go to the website, brilliantlyresilient.net. And there's a button on there. Or if you don't feel like clicking a button, the pop-up comes and you just stick your email in. And every week you'll get one bit of brilliance from an episode. And then Mary Fran does a nice little under one minute read how it breaks down for your life. You'll see Ken in our, in your inbox soon. Um, and that will help you keep living brilliantly resilient. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the brilliantly resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.